my hope is that all businesses are holding themselves accountable to all of the stakeholders that they deal with, that they're holding themselves accountable to the impact that they're having on the world. And that whenever they're doing business, they're really thinking about how do they continue to do so in a way that um, inspires the most good and causes the least harm. From We First, welcome to Lead With We, the podcast where top business leaders and founders reveal how they built high growth and high impact companies by putting We First. Welcome to this week's episode of Lead With We, where I'm talking to Joey Bergstein, who's the CEO of Seventh Generation. Joey, welcome to the show. Simon, thanks for having me. You know, for those who don't know Seventh Generation, tell us a little bit about the company, when it started, what products it makes. Sure. The company was founded in the late 80s. I think it was 1988. So we've been around for over 30 years now. The mission has been really consistent over our over 30 year history, which is uh, focused on transforming the world into a healthy, sustainable and equitable place for the next seven generations. So we make eco-friendly home and personal care products. Really what we're trying to do is change the way the business is done and and turn the world into, uh, into a better place than we found it. And let's talk about that. The purpose or mission of an organization is so fundamental to a success these days, and even more so during the time of COVID. So what does that mean to be responsible or mindful or accountable to the next seven generations? Well, we really think about that in everything we do. Uh, that, that mission that I talked about really runs through our DNA. Uh, it starts with the products that we make. Uh, we really try to balance between products that work and are effective because we all need to get our clothes clean and our dishes clean um, and do it at an affordable price, but also ensuring that our products are safe for people and for planet. The first real big product was our recycled toilet paper. At that time, nobody was selling recycled toilet paper to direct to consumers. If it was out there, it was it was in the uh, commercial space and nobody would ever talk about recycled toilet paper. And I remember speaking with one of our co-founders, Alan Newman. Uh, he was telling me the story, but he went to a supplier to tell them that he wanted to buy the recycled toilet paper and, and he wanted to tell people that it was recycled. They thought he was crazy. and uh, and But it was a hit because people are really thinking about what are the things they're buying? What's the impact that they have? And this philosophy came from the Iroquois philosophy of Native Americans. You know, do you think that there's a lot that we can learn from, you know, indigenous people out there around the world who had that symbiotic relationship with the natural world? It seems like there's so many lessons to be learned. I think there are. So our, our, to be even more specific, we take uh, our, our name is inspired by the great law of the Iroquois that in our every deliberation, we must take into account the impact of our decisions on the next seven generations. I mean, that is really the, the core of, of what this company is about. We can learn so much from, um, from other cultures who have been around for a long time and understand the cycles that we live through as, uh, as humans. And I think these are very sobering lessons for how we've treated the planet in the last several generations. I mean, how do you, what do you see in terms of the shift in the dialogue around the, ro- the role of business today? Do you think that it's showing up more responsibly? Do you think it's rising to the challenge? I do think so. I think that business can be a powerful force for good. We believe it must be a powerful force for good. And I think you see more and more businesses are understanding that they've got a strong voice and that they also need to be really thoughtful about their business practices. People today have so much access to so much information that 
it's really easy for people to really understand deeply what is going on inside the business and and then people vote with their dollars and you just need to look at who's performing in the markets to know that um, companies that pass the ESG screen are outperforming those that don't and there's a reason for that uh, sustainable business is in fact good business yeah, for ESG, this idea of environmental, social and governance metrics by which companies are judged are becoming more and more important and investors are awarding them and consumers are choosing consciously those products. But you're in the hot seat, Joey. You're, you know, you've got that CEO role where you've got to deliver on the bottom line of the company and you've got to sort of serve its mission. Help us understand how you think through that process. Are they two sides of the same coin? Is it an either-or proposition? How do you think it through to build the business while scaling impact? You know, it's interesting. We were just talking about this with our uh, community. We refer to our employee group as, a, as our community. And we really see it as a virtuous circle. We've got a really clear mission. Our North Star, what I described, transforming the world into a healthy, sustainable, equitable place for the next seven generations is what we're all about. That mission, when, when we do a good job of helping people understand what we're all about, creating products that are fit to the mission, treating our employees in a way that's fit with that mission and our suppliers and our retail partners um, and all of our stakeholders in a way that's consistent with that mission, it's enabled us to really grow the business. And the great news about that is that the, the bigger the business grows, the better that we do, the more we're actually able to invest in the issues that we care the most about. Uh, the need to take action on climate justice, advocating for things like ingredient transparency or chemical safety reform. And then what we find is the more we do that kind of advocacy, the stronger our mission becomes, the greater our reputation, and the better our business becomes. You know, that virtuous circle between building your reputation on the strength of your good works that then drive you know, sales and bottom line growth is critical. But at the same time, you've got to compete with a lot of companies out there that, you know, you might call them, you know, they're greenwashing, they're purpose washing, they're cause washing, you know, where they've got the optics of doing good, but they don't have the integrity that a company like Seventh Generation might have. Are you mindful of that? Do you feel the need to address it? Or do you think it'll shake out in the marketplace because consumers are very discerning? Simon, it's a great question. We, we stay focused on what we do well. There are other companies out there who are a lot of companies today leaning into purpose. And I think the true test in, is, is, is it woven into their business practices or is it marketing? And as I said earlier, I think there's so much information out there. It's so easy for people to see who is really um, walking the talk that what we've seen over time is that that's where people are voting with their, with their dollars or supporting the companies who are not just saying a lot of things, but are actually doing the right things and trying to, to truly make business a force for good. And you mentioned that it has to be true of the company, inside the company. I was lucky enough to visit your offices once and you have incredible signage everywhere and constant reminders of the mission of the company, its values. Talk to us about how you cultivate that sense of being mission-driven inside, not only outright, but over the long term. How do you maintain it? I think the, the mission is something that is, is really built into every single thing that we do, from the way that we design our products to how we interact with our retailers and our um, suppliers and really building long-term sustainability, relationships based on sustainability. Uh, we build it into the way that we incentivize our, our total employee base, myself included. I mean, we're all, um, all of our bonuses have uh, a 
a, a substantial proportion is driven by delivering on our sustainability goals um, because we want to ensure that this isn't just about sales and profit, but also about how do we make the world a better place and continue to, to, to keep the pressure on doing that. And I think that says volume. So every conversation starts with what, what's the difference we're trying to make. When we think about our innovation, we actually, many companies start by what's the white space that they can go occupy. We actually start by our mission and say, where, are there, where can we go and make a bigger difference on our mission through the products that we're designing? I love that. Your mission is your white space because there's no company out there that has defined a purpose or a mission and exhausted all the ways you can bring it to life. There's, there's, it simply doesn't exist. I know you do a lot of innovation in-house. You have a laboratory and so on. And obviously you do that to move the, you know, move the needle forward for yourselves, but also to com compete in the marketplace. Tell us about that. Do you find it's better to actually drive innovation internally or is it possible to outsource it? What have you learned about that? We do all of it, actually. Um, almost everything we make is, uh, is being created in-house. Yeah, we've got an amazing group of scientists, uh, largely women, uh, who have just been formulating amazing products that work just like conventional brands yet are safe for people and planet. There's a, a great story that I, I love. Um, we've, we, we had um, moved all of our dish packaging to 100% post-consumer recycled content. That was a big deal. Nobody was doing 100% PCR bottles at the time, but we hadn't moved the cap to a 100% PCR. And, and it's, it doesn't sound very complicated, but it is quite complicated to be able to, to use that kind of material to create a, a hard uh, material that is useful in a cap. Well, a packaging engineer wouldn't give up. And when after that last 1% and about 18 months after we launched the bottle, we were able to launch a 100% PCR cap because she was so passionate about really trying to get all the way to 100% on the full package. And I think it's a good example of when you're really clear about your mission, you, you inspire passion throughout the business and you continue to make progress on it. And, and what you're doing, Joey, is so special. And you're, you know, the culture you've created and the leadership you've carved out in the category and you're doing this at a time when you were recently became part of the Unilever family, you know, a large enterprise that owns many consumer packaged goods brands out there that people know, you know, and at the same time, you've got to protect what's special about seventh generation as you become part of that portfolio family. So how do you do that? How do you integrate, you know, a brand like yours, which is so special with a, an enterprise? Yeah, I think when Unilever came to us, um, just over four years ago, um, to talk to us about selling the business. Um, at the time, the company wasn't for sale. We were we were doing really well. We had an amazing group of of patient investors, um, and there was no reason to to sell the business. But when we we took a deep look at where we were, uh, yeah, again, it went back to the mission. What we realized is that we had the opportunity with a company like Unilever, who is the leader in the world of sustainability. They're consistently ranked at the top of the food chain uh, of, of companies that are focused on sustainability. What we realized is that we could go from having an impact of millions of people in, in the US, as we were at the time, to potentially billions of people around the world. And that was an opportunity that was, was absolutely incredible. We've got the space that we need to be true to our mission. We have the ability to access incredible um, technology from from the world of Unilever. They've got a, a very large home care business around the world. And so we're well connected to that business. But also amazingly, 
um, were able to have an, an impact on Unilever themselves. I'm, I'm told many times that a lot of the stances that they're taking inside their home care products and beyond are inspired by some of the work that we've done at Seventh Generation. And it's an there's an incredible amount of pride in knowing that we've been able to, to have a really positive impact on a major player in the world who's already a huge leader in this space. So you not only upload your expertise, they download, you know, the benefits of scale and their expertise as well, and everyone benefits. Absolutely. Seventh Generation was one of the, I believe, seven founding members of the B Corp movement. What is a B Corp and how does that shape your business and how you go to market? Yeah, so B corporations are, are are companies that have really acknowledged and built into the way they do business the notion that we serve uh, many stakeholders, that it is about the triple bottom line of people, planet, and profits, not just about profits themselves. And uh, what I love about being part of a B Corp is every two years we go through a very rigorous assessment. We look at every dimension of the business and uh, provide information on on how we're doing. And then we're able to benchmark ourselves against all of the others who are in the world of the B Corp. Um, now they give you a score and it's nice to know what your score is, but the, the greatest value is having a, a truly third party uh, view on where you're doing really well and where you're not doing so well. Because frankly, when you're really trying to do good every single day, you can also breathe your own smoke, as they say. And the truth is that um, that nobody does great in every single thing. And having somebody point out where you can improve is an incredibly helpful thing. And it allows us to continue to move forward uh, along that sustainability journey. And let me ask you, within the Unilever family, as I understand it, the su sustainable portfolio is delivering 75% of the growth. It's growing 69% faster. I mean, these are really compelling statistics. So if you were sitting down with another CEO, now they might be a solopreneur who's just starting their own company, or they may have a small team or a high growth company, they're not quite the size of maybe seventh generation and certainly not a Unilever. And they were still sitting on the fence as to whether they should be mission driven or purpose led. On a professional level and on a personal level, what would you say to them? Yeah, I'd ask them the very basic question, what change are you trying to create in the world? And if it's clear the change you're trying to create in the world, finding the way to really build that into every single thing that you do is much more powerful um, than just trying to create a widget. Absolutely. And let me ask you, if we shift our focus from the company to its consumers, Seventh Generation talks a lot about leading a consumer revolution. What does that mean and, and how do you go about it? Well, we really believe that uh, we want to empower people to make choices that do make the world a, a better place. And so we take a stance on a lot of different issues that we think are really important for the world. A, a great example of that is um, the work we've been doing on climate justice, working hand in hand with grassroots organizations over the last couple of years to try to get cities and states to make commitments to addressing um, climate change, commitments to clean energy by 2030. You know, why did we do this? When we look at our greenhouse gas impact from our footprint, from, from the farm where ingredients are grown, through manufacturing of the product, through the distribution of the product, through to the usage of the products in the home, what we find is that 90% of the greenhouse gas is actually when you and I are washing and drying our clothes at home. And so when we scratched our heads and we said, okay, well, 
even if we were to make our operations completely carbon neutral, which is something that we are uh, working on and are determined to do, it still wouldn't have a material impact on the total effect that we're having. And so we said, well, the only way to really address the, the in-home use is to try to enable people to draw clean energy into their homes for when they're washing and drying their clothes. Over 150 cities have made commitments to clean energy by 2030. Over seven states have made those commitments. That's the kind of revolution that we're, we're trying to create, where, where people are choosing, um, choosing to support companies that are really trying to do the right thing and, and trying to move us along. You know, it's a, it's a delicate balancing act to look around to your industry and say, hey, we've all got to do better. How do you call that out? How do you challenge everyone to lift their game? Yeah, so we try to do it boldly. Uh, we work very closely with industry organizations and associations on issues that we think are really important. A, a great example of that is what we've done with ingredient disclosure. It's crazy that in the U.S. that uh, that cleaning products aren't required to have their ingredients labeled on the back of the package. I mean, could right. you imagine walking into a grocery store and picking up a bag of chips uh, and not being able to read the ingredients on the back of the pack. Now, you may want, want to read what's on the back of that pack, um, but surely you've got the right to know what it is that you're bringing into your home and you're feeding your family. And we feel the same way about clean products. You have the right to know what comes into your home and is being used in and around your family. So we have taken you know, several bold stances. We started in 2008. We started labeling all of the ingredients on the back of our package. Uh, we were successful with a with a very big group in California to move California to require ingredient disclosure. Um, New York has followed suit, and our expectation is that'll become the law of the land. And so, where we think meaningful change needs to happen, we're we're really not afraid to call it out and to make it uh, and 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 to pursue it. And you know, it's an interesting. Um, strategy to employ because in a sense when you put your hand up and call out the industry you're also inviting greater scrutiny on yourself you know whether it's your supply chain your carbon footprint your ingredients what actions are you taking to make sure that you're defensible being well we continue to be very transparent about our our current state of affairs um, from ingredient disclosure to we're just about to publish our 2019 corporate consciousness report in that we have a, a very detailed accounting of, of, of where we stand, both where we're, where we're doing really well and where we've got clear work to do. And our belief is that when you're transparent about the things that you're working on, it puts the onus on you to continue to do better and better. And so in some regards, does that make you vulnerable to attack? Maybe. Um, we prefer to think about it as, as people appreciate the transparency and the honesty because nobody is perfect. We're all, we're all on a journey together. And the question is just how do we continue to, to move ahead? And I know you imposed a, an internal carbon tax on yourself. What, is, what does that even mean? Yeah, we, going back to, this, to the story around our greenhouse gas footprint, we looked at in, in our operations, um, what is the greenhouse gas impact that we're having and assessing a carbon tax that we use and invest to try to reduce that uh, that that impact over time. So, it um, we're taking you know basically money out of our pocket and saying yeah we need to reinvest that so that we can become uh, carbon neutral over time. And you know every brand like yours you know mission driven brands are really they're on notice to respond to cultural flashpoints, whether it's Black Lives Matter or whether it's you know hate speech and we see 
enterprises like Unilever stepping away from advertising on Facebook, and I know you're advertising on Facebook because you're providing these essential products and so on, but how do you determine what to respond to and what to say in these moments when suddenly culture is on fire? Yeah, so I think business has a absolute responsibility to take a stance for what's important. And I think it's, personally, I think it's really important that we take stances on issues that we've built deep expertise on and have something to say, something we can contribute and not just adding to the noise that's around us because there's a lot of noise that's around us a lot of the time. When it comes to other issues that aren't necessarily, that are really important societally, um, that I have a really strong view on personally, but where seventh generation hasn't necessarily done great work like on gun rights. I mean, seventh generation, you know, I have a view on gun rights. Um, seventh generation has no expertise in that space. And I don't think that it's, 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 it's value add for us to take a big outspoken stance on an issue like that because we're not contributing. You know, I think probably the most compelling issue that we're all facing is the climate crisis because it's going to infect all lives in so many different ways. You know, it's hard to be optimistic sometimes. You know, not only are we enduring COVID and many other challenges, but, you know, climate persists as this almost, you know, monolithic issue that we've got to address. Why are you optimistic and what do you think business needs to do to rise to this challenge? Yeah, I'm optimistic because I think there's more and more recognition that business has an obligation to rise to this challenge. Um, the science is, is, is clear. It's, it's not debatable that we've got an issue that we need to, that we need to address. Um, I, we're seeing more and more businesses um, taking stances to address climate change, to take accountability for our own impact. And if you had to describe the role of business in the future as you'd like to see it, because we've had everyone from Larry Fink, the CEO of the biggest hedge fund in the world, talking about you know the need for sustainable business. We've had the business roundtable where 180 CEOs are saying it's all about stakeholder capitalism. We've seen the way that business has rallied around COVID-19 for PPE equipment and ventilators. All of this is building to something. What's your vision? What's your hope for what the role of business will be? Yeah, my, my hope is that we continue a, along this trajectory that we've been on for for not a long time, but for some time as a, as a society. I would say you're right. In the last few years, we've seen a, a increasing number of businesses who are really understanding that you need to think about all stakeholders. It's amazing to hear BlackRock call out the biggest risks being the environmental risks that, uh, that, that companies are, um, you know, are facing. And, you know, my, my hope is that all businesses are holding themselves accountable to all of the stakeholders that they deal with, that they're holding themselves accountable to the impact that they're having on the world. And that whenever they're doing business, they're really thinking about how do they continue to do so in a way that um, inspires the most good and causes the least harm. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Joey, for the insights and for all the work that 7th Generation is doing, not just outright, but especially during COVID-19 when, you know, protecting ourselves is so important through cleaning products and so on. So we look forward to following, you know, the innovations and leadership of 7th Generation in the future. And thank you so much for your time today. All right. Well, thank you, Simon. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Lead With We where I was talking with Joey Bergstein, CEO of 7th Generation. 
who shared how to execute on your mission with integrity and transparency, and how to reach out to your industry and challenge everyone to do better, and how to partner with a parent company to scale both your growth and your impact. You can subscribe to Lead With We on Apple, Google, or Spotify, and please recommend it to your friends and colleagues so they too can become purposeful and profitable businesses. If you'd like to learn more about how you can build a purposeful brand, check out wefirstbranding.com, where we have lots of free services and case studies. See you on the next episode of Lead With We.